everyone, this is Tony Holbein. You are listening to The Revenue Formula. In today's episode, we're going to unveil where hypergrowth really actually comes from. Spoiler, it's not sales and marketing. Enjoy. So, you had a pretty rough week two weeks ago, and last week was a bit chill, <laughs> and now you're back or what? Last week I was back, come on. I had one down week. I think last week was a bit chill week for you, wasn't it? No. Oh, sorry, it's a one-on-one. <laughs> <laughs> no, I got shit done. Uh, I mean, you saw the weeklies, but yeah, there's a lot of stuff happening in between always. Uh, like, the show is still a lot of work to yeah. make it amazing. I know. That's how it is. And then at some point, you just like, you know Maybe what? I'm just confusing last week with the week before. Yeah, probably. But it's also at some point, you're like, well, I've written what 60 of these emails now the podcast has been in every single one kind of just want to maybe stop adding it now <laughs> let's just assume we have it under control let's just assume so um this weekend actually yesterday uh as we we're going to bed i walked over to my side of the bed ready to go to sleep and i just looked at you know my pillow and my duvet and the linen i was like why are there like black stripes and glitter on my <laughs> pillow and bed it looks i mean this don't get it the wrong way i know uh, why okay go you dance so much for the trends no 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 no. but <laughs> and then i looked at my wife i was like what, what's going on here and it's like oh yeah i painted our daughter like a zebra in the face and then she took a nap <laughs> in your side of the bed <laughs> so you could just see like this zebra mark on the pillow <laughs> So talking where that came from has kind of inspired me to then, you know, create an amazing segue to where hypergrowth comes from. Yeah, That's what we're going to figure out today. I um, mean, zebra, unicorn, yeah, I mean, it's not yeah. that far from No, another. exactly. I mean, that, that could be our kind of label going forward. But it, anyway, you know, so the thing is, we've all seen those hypergrowth companies yep. where you just have this amazing, it's the hockey stick curve. Everybody wants that, the hockey stick curve. And I think a lot of people actually have the wrong idea of where it's coming from. So we're going to talk a bit about that today. Let's do that. I think, and maybe this is kind of jumping the gun here a little bit, I think it's probably cut into two different ways, right? Hypergrowth mm. in the beginning, probably very much, I would say, uh, marketing and a sales execution thing mm, in the yeah. very early beginning, Yeah. Uh, right? And then, but Mikkel, what is it then later on? <laughs> Tell me. <laughs> it's the customers. It's the customers, of course. And the reason is, quite simply put, you know, oh, should I take it? I can take it. Cool. So the, the reason is quite simple. You know, you have a sales team. They can net add only so much MRR, uh, AR per year, right? And the way that scales is very linear. You know, more sales folks, more revenue if you mm -hmm. dumb it down, right? So it's not, you know, an exponential curve you get out of that. And it kind of resets every year, right? Uh, runs throughout the year. Same from a marketing perspective. You can only do so much with the budget and people and channels and so on you have, but actually with the customers, that is not the case. If you plot this out on a line and you do some of the things we've talked about on this show, so price increases, if you can expand their usage, get more users, get more consumption of data, whatever mm -hmm. whatever it is, yeah. then you get an exponential curve. And that is actually what hypergrowth looks like. No, absolutely. And we had Jaco talk about this. Was it? Was it? Yeah, no, it wasn't the overtime. It wasn't overtime, yeah. So everyone go check out overtime. Mm -hmm. Um he had some nice charts, so yep. you would actually need to watch it yeah. <laughs> on YouTube. Um, but really, the, the whole SaaS idea is that, to your point, the, the amount of new business you can bring in, yeah. um, it's 
it's it either scales linearly or it's kind of flat. Yeah. At some point, it's going to be flat. Uh, flat, where uh, most of your revenue and growth is going to come from is from your customer base. Yeah. Right. This is really where it is, and um, that whole that whole trick is really why SaaS um, is such a very interesting category also to invest in, mm. because the reason is. Once you get to a point where you have so many customers and so much, you know, ARR and, and, and renewal business, you suddenly be, uh, have an extremely profitable company potentially, yeah. Yeah. right? You can potentially make this an extremely profitable company uh, because you have eighty percent margins. Um, you only need twenty percent of the revenue in order to service the revenue. That's that's the yeah. whole wonderful thing here. So the all the other eighty percent, sure, you need to pay the CFO and you know a couple of other folks. But you could basically say, like, you know what, we're going to stop sales and marketing today. Yeah. Um, and we're going to not add more product. We're just going to maintain stuff. Yeah. And then you suddenly have a massive amount of cash coming your way and you can, quote unquote, milk it. Yeah. And that's the idea why investors love it so much. So it's it's rarely being executed like this, to be mm. to be honest. But what we do see a lot is that, you know, as you as you climb up the ARR scale, suddenly and and you know maybe the growth is going a little bit down and maybe the investors aren't as hot anymore about yeah. you and you take your your foot of the gas pedal on on your sales and marketing and you're kind of nicely like you know sailing floating into profitability yeah <laughs> <laughs> a gentle slide yeah, yeah it's like <laughs> anyway, no. and, and that's 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 the power but i think the funny thing is also like when i think back about when i think back to the conversations i've had around cs it's always been well, how do we decrease churn? And, it, and there's only so much upside from decreasing churn. But actually, I also think it's the fundamentally the wrong way to look at it, like customer experience in the first place. It's about how much can we grow. No, it's, I mean, let's let's be honest. CS is the the forgotten ugly child in the corner <laughs> of GTM. It always is. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, and it shouldn't be. And this is, this is basically what this episode is about, right? It simply should not be the case. Um, and, you know, I'm, so we had Sam Jacobs on the on the uh, show here. Maybe aired, maybe not aired right now. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and we talked about um, the uh, the importance of a renewal. Yeah. Right. And I think you had another example that you could bring up in a second. But you know the the importance of a renewal. And um, hey, you know someone just renewed. That's the equivalent of someone just signed a new business deal. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but the way you go about it and the way you're happy and celebrated, two completely different things. Uh, so, so why is that? I yeah. literally asked Sam. So why is it like this? And he just said, like, you know, it's um, it's it's human conditioning. It's just wired into us that something new is always better. Yeah. Um, and it feels like you impacted something by adding something on top instead of just having something that you had yesterday. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's um. Uh, I, I think this is where this is coming from. And it's also, okay, I renewed a customer. How much did I grow? Yeah. Zero. <laughs> <laughs> and there's just a lot of endorphins that simply don't fire uh, compared to a new business rep. But I, so I actually heard a conversation between uh, another guest we had, Jakob van der Koy, and a gentleman from Outreach. I forget his name right now. Uh, we'll add it to the show notes if I, if I recall. But they said one of the Mark Kozaklov. Yes, that? exactly, mm. Kozaklov. And they talked about well, one of the reasons this behavior you're describing with celebrating the deal uh, is happening is because we come from a world called perpetual licenses, and that was the way you ran it because there were no renewals in mm -hmm. there. And uh, what Mark even noted was it seems kind of odd. We renewed the biggest deal ever, a twelve million dollar deal, no celebration. Literally same day closed a twelve k deal, champagne. 
all around yeah. <laughs> what's going on. Yeah. And it's just to to put it bluntly, and we've talked about the whole, you know, you run the whatever meeting with all the execs from every department and CS gets the two minutes in the end and yeah. yeah. So I think we're going to make our old colleague, Jill, who works oh, yeah. in customer experience, very proud. I'm not sure she's listening. No. <laughs> I'm just going to send we it to should, her. <laughs> no, but also when you think about revenue operations, I mean, CS Ops is literally the last yeah. thing to be added. <laughs> They get HR ops before that. Yeah, yeah, it's it's like oh, you know, we have the fifth person in sales ops. Should we should we do something for the CS team as well? Yeah, uh, it's like ah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but he is also going to run the deal desk. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh man. So that's um, and you know that's that's the problem. That's that's I think what um, you know, while it's funny, I think a lot of people probably kind of see themselves in this situation. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah, that's right. You know, we're focusing a lot on sales and marketing. So. Um, we're going to focus on sales and marketing today because acquisition is very flat and linear. I mean, if you want hyper growth on there, it's going to also be hyper growth on your budget, basically. Yeah. So that's not going to be the case for the customers. This is where the hyper growth comes from. First off, when is it actually time for you to pay a bit more attention to this side? You kind of alluded to it in the beginning, like the stage we're at as a company, it makes no sense. Like we need to go out and get those and build that customer base. Right? Yeah. So when is it time? So I think really in, in terms of hyper growth and kind of that is those are not exact numbers, but uh, getting to 10 million, this will be largely a new business game between mm -hmm. sales and marketing. I think if you have an extremely well working marketing engine, then um, that can kind of that can be a, a wave coming towards you and help you kind of accelerate. I think where you will start struggling if you don't have CS under control is in the jump from 10 to 20. Mm. That's basically kind of usually where, where some of that goes um, goes the wrong direction because, um, you know, math, um, because your your ability to acquire new customers will start to be undermined by the now 10 million, 15 million customer base that you have and then you have churn there. Yeah. So that will start like balancing each other out and and worst case scenario is that you're hitting at that point already kind of the the, the wrong side of the S-curve, kind of you're flattening Plateau, out at that yeah. point. So many people that struggle from the 10 to 20 jump, they basically have a, have a churn problem in many mm. cases, right? However, where I think really the switch um, from a sales and marketing focus to a customer focus needs to happen is like in the post, you know, 50 million range, right? Yeah. And then there's no end to it. Really, this is... This is where even when you think about new business or additional business being brought on, it's it's if you have a good upsell motion, even your upsell will be more than your new business at this point. Yeah, right. True. Um, and and this this kind of uh, this kind of flywheel they're pushing kind of up there. I think this is really the the tipping point between those two departments. Mm. And I'm again right. So it's not it's not um, a rule of law in that specific case, right? It's kind of a little bit in between. But I think as as you approach the 50 and, and beyond that, I think the focus on CS um, and the existing customer base will just, you know, in, increasingly so uh, yeah. be more important. So basically we're saying that power dynamics which will, should shift actually probably to a degree, right? That that becomes more important yeah. to the business. Not that it's not important from like 25 to 50. That then it's still critical because you have a massive base up for renewal, right? Yeah. Um, so now the, the question almost becomes, okay, the power balance shifting, what does that actually mean? Mm. Yeah. And I think we we prepared a couple of examples to go through to to make clear what that actually means. And and maybe also to emphasize the point of how things are in many, many minds, things are running today. Mm. 
and how that might not be the right thing for you, right? So let's start off with a soft one here, sales enablement. Mm. Oh, it's a no-brainer. <laughs> we need we need sales enablement. We have ten reps. We need yeah. an enablement person. Uh, someone needs to do those decks. Someone needs to listen to those calls. Get coffee. Someone yeah. needs to <laughs> yeah. Someone needs to uh, you know take the pricing deck and take it from dollars to you know I don't know corner or yeah, something. Yeah. Sure, you know we totally need that. But um, but who's actually enabling CS? Yeah, who is actually doing that? <laughs> right? No one is thinking about it like this. It's like. No. Uh, I mean, you have the uh, sometimes the same amount of headcount. Yeah. Um, you know, at some point you will for sure, and um, uh, and the amount of time that's being or the amount of money and effort being spent on enabling the CS team is always, uh, if if at all, an afterthought. Yeah, it's like oh no, we need training for the reps and you know rep productivity and you know spiffs yeah, yeah, and yeah. commissions and all of that stuff. But the CS people know they just um, they just need to they just need to get. Do do some onboarding calls. Yeah. You know? So I think this is this is kind of the and and really the, those kind of juxtapositions are really about like hey wait a minute the way you're thinking about your sales and marketing yeah you need to start thinking the same way about CS and increasingly so between the twenty to fifty million mark yeah I yeah. just say it like this right I think it's also pretty key when you think about it because you will have a CSM working on a portfolio that actually pay you money. Versus a sales rep that are trying to get you know dollars in, so there's a big difference when you look at it that way. Yes, and I think just imagine someone not getting any training in handling a very delicate conversation with an unhappy customer. What's going to happen is a scenario where the VPs or whatever get pulled in all the time, or even the CEO, CRO, mm. to salvage the relationship. Versus, are they equipped to actually do discovery and find expansion opportunities? Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. So exactly right, and kind of if if we're moving on to kind of the next item, um, it's almost, and I think this is something that comes out of the, the way you grow a business. Yeah, you know, think about where you where you truly have uh, the best, the most expensive, and the most senior folks uh, centered mm. in your GTM, and the answer will be in many cases in your sales and marketing. Yeah. Even, let's just say you're a CEO, you're a CRO, what are you truly thinking about all the time? Is it CS or is it new business? Mm. And at some point, and we're kind of saying between this 20 to 50 million mark, at some point what you will need to do, you will need to start shifting this perspective from a, you know, all the brains, all the minds, all the money on sales and marketing so, hey, wait a minute, maybe we need the best and brightest on CS instead, yeah. right? And and think about it like this. It's really the, okay, at, in the beginning, you focus on product market fit. That's, you know, every, you know, your full focus is on this. The next thing is go to market fit. Yeah. Then you hit 10 million and you realize, oh, wait a minute, we've been running kind of a haphazard shit show here. <laughs> Getting here was really fantastic, but yeah. now we need to go from unorganized to factory line set up, right? Mm-hmm. And kind of then then you do this shift. Yeah. Um, and this shift from new biz to existing biz or CS, that shift just needs to happen as well. And I think it's just not being talked about all that much. Do you think you need to start, so there's also a timing component. You don't start at 50 million and go, okay, folks, now we're going to prioritize it. We're going to let go of the slackers and get someone who is really awesome. At some point around maybe 25 million, you actually start to build the organization that's going to be there for 50, right? How do you see that? Yeah, I think, um, so I don't I don't think that, 
you know you have slackers in there before <laughs> no, you go, no by no, the way no, oh, no, oh. No, especially if jill is gonna yeah listen. no I was aye, aye, aye. um <laughs> no it's um uh, i think uh, i think as you as you go into your annual retreat with your leadership team uh, you know, one topic that comes up a lot is thinking about org and org structure mm. uh, and leadership and so forth. You know, whom do you place? Where do you need some uh, reinforcements? And I think around this 15 to 25 uh, million mark, you need to think really hard. Okay, should we be should we be up leveling our CS leadership here? Mm. Should we be doing that? Yeah, uh, because those are thoughts that you have all the time, right? The VP of sales is a you know, oh you know he sucks. Let's <laughs> yeah. you know, an out and next one <laughs> yeah, in yeah. and oh. You know, now we're at 10 million. I think, uh, sorry, <laughs> sorry, you, you can't, we need the 10 to 50 million guy now, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. You have like, you have those conversations way more proactively. Uh, same with marketing, same with the CMO yeah, and yeah. so forth. Um, and, and really for CS, I think that conversation simply also needs to happen. I think getting to 15, 20 million, this is already fantastic. Don't get me wrong, especially yeah. as a CS leader. Um, but you really also for that slot, you want to have a been there, done that person as well. Yeah. And I think that conversation needs to, you know, with the VP of sales, it happens in 1 million, 10 million, 50 million, 100 million. Uh, for the VPCS, I would say around 15 to 25 million. Think about, you know, whom you have in that slot and is that person able and capable of getting you to the 50 and the 100? Yeah. Right? yeah. Yes. Next thing, think about your go to market process and your funnel. Mm. Think about that for a second. Yeah. Visualize in front of you what you're focusing on, how many steps you have, um, how many um, how many different frameworks you have to just talk about the funnel, mm. and um, and you will have oh you know there's something on ads, there's something on traffic on the website, there's something on you know leads and how they progress from lead to MQL to whatever. Then you have opportunity stages, you know forecasting everything. Um, and then for CS, you have renewed or churned. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you have NPS. <laughs> I mean, it's, that's, it's, it's just, um, and we see this a lot, right? Yeah, because yeah. we set those, we set those engines up and, um, tons of focus, you know, tens of steps yeah, yeah. for, for the newbies side. Um, and, oh, you know, conversion rate here went down in the U S and yeah, what's yeah. happening here. Yeah. Um, and then on the on the renewal side, it's um, you know it's upsold or yeah. <laughs> or sure. Did you get the job done or yeah. not? <laughs> and um, uh, and it's it's not because of lack of capability that we have on on the product side. So th I think there are some things that we may can't do. But uh, what we're seeing a lot is that people uh, put very little attention onto that side of the bow tie. Yeah, yeah, um, and that just comes out as. Um, you know, the different things that are tracking and so forth. Mm. Um, and um, uh, the this when you when you visualize the bow tie, it's like by winning by design, it's like on purpose, it's like those two are the same cones. Yeah. Which is super weird, by yeah, the way. Yeah. It's super weird. But it's it's the same cones, and you know, I get the concept and everything. Um, but as they are fully balancing out, shouldn't you be deploying the same level of scrutiny and um and uh, detailedness? Uh, that you have on the new business side to the existing business side. Yeah. Um, and if you don't have that, you should be wondering why that actually is. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you know, all the diagnostic capabilities that you have for your new business funnel, um, you basically don't have any of these for the other side. So how are you gonna get better? Yeah. Right? How is that actually gonna work out? Um, and I think this is 
this is another way of of you, you know, of us trying to have everyone realize that wait a minute, um, you're right. It's it's there. Everyone says it's important. Net, net, NRR is super important and everything. Um, but the way we operate the business around it, we, we don't actually fully take it seriously. No. It tells us otherwise, at least. Yeah. Then think about the kind of software that you're buying. Think about all the stuff that you're buying for just salespeople alone. Mm. Marketing folks. I mean, it's insane. It's, yeah, it's obscene. I think what I learned is marketing marketing tools are sometimes seem to be cheaper um, while they are just more, like yeah. a lot more. Yeah. And then on the sales side, you have fewer, but they're way more expensive, actually. Yeah. The amount of money just spent on tooling for sales and marketing is insane. Yeah, yeah. And then you have, and this is a shout out to, you know, Nick Meta and everything, but, and then you have, ah, should you be getting Gainside? Or <laughs> I think, I think the spreadsheet should work out a little bit longer. Yeah. Come on. Come on, the spreadsheet can work, yeah. right? Or well, Salesforce, you can have one license for Salesforce. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and this again, it shows a little bit how stingy you are yeah. um, on that side of the funnel, and you know how much you're not willing to invest and yeah, and yeah. build it out and make this a the best possible organization you can have uh, in order to you know unlock this hyper growth. Right? Mm. But I think it's also common because you're coming from a point in time where you spend you know the budget line that says uh, customer experience is incredibly small and you actively need to grow that which is just you know perceived as a cost to prevent some churn yeah versus looking at it as a growth thing right so i think it is a, a mindset shift i also wonder like there's the other thing and maybe we should actually get into it now which is uh you need to have a you mentioned the gross margin right that might also hold back some decision if you need to maintain yeah so this is this is i think one of the one of the issues here, investors want to see an 80-85% gross margin, yeah. meaning you make $100 in revenue from your customers and $85 of those are not necessary, are not needed in order to service the customer. Yeah, yeah. That's the idea, right? So on the stuff that you need to uh, put in for servicing are the servers, so then yeah. it's always... You know, that makes sense. Yeah. So basically data, the infrastructure, the stuff the product is running on. And then number two, you obviously need um, the CS team, the people, right? Mm. And and your support folks, by the way, it's both of them are basically need to go in there. And when you when you go be below the 80%, like 75 and stuff like that, uh, investors are starting to be like, ah, you know, <laughs> I think you need to be getting this up again, which is perpetuating the, the stinginess on this side, yeah. right? So what a couple of folks have been doing, which, you know, you can agree and disagree on. I'm, I'm not quite sure where you're going to take this, uh, but they got uh, very creative in where to put those costs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, some put them into CAG, uh, yeah. so customer, uh, cu customer acquisition costs, obviously. And, and there's a balance there because it's like, mm, uh, you know, do I want to make this look worse and mm. can I afford this? And then... A surprising amount of folks, and I saw this in either Ben Murray or Ray Reich, um, 20 or 25% uh, of companies put them into G&A, so general and admin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. So it's you, just some admin work, you know. So the thing <laughs> is, you can't put it in R&D. No, no. That's for sure. Well. But but you can put it into either cost, cost of goods sold, obviously. Yeah. Uh, you can put some of that into sales or marketing, obviously. 
And then, you know, R&D is off the table. So it's really GNA, so general admin, that's yeah. the only one left. And a couple of people are doing it. And, uh, you know, what? Are the, why are they doing this? Well, number one, it takes pressure off the gross margin. They still yeah. look fantastic. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and number two, you don't put it into into your sales and marketing expenses, which would make you seem less efficient. Yeah. Um, it still is the same EBITDA, so earnings before interest and tax. Yeah. Um, it's the same EBITDA as before. The OPEX is the same. But it basically kind of sits somewhere where there's not so much scrutiny on the, yeah, on the metric yeah. side, right? Um, and I think the the reason why this is not a not a bad idea is because you actually want to invest more yeah. into the CS team without immediately getting penalized by your investors and saying like, ah, you know, you need to kind of get this up again, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so I think this is one of the reasons why why people struggle to add more focus onto the CS team because yeah. more focus will come with more. Uh, more expensive headcount will come with you know more tools and so forth. Yeah, I think one last one on the list that we kind of didn't didn't mention yet, which I think is really really interesting, is you know pricing. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Who you know think about it? Who decides pricing in your organization? And I can tell you, most of the cases, you know, it will be I don't know, sales you know sales enablement or revenue operations sometimes does that and. Or the, the the COO, someone runs a project. Yeah, yeah. But who really decides it? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's going to be a sales and marketing organization, and uh, depending on how how deep in the B two B space you are, it's going to be sales. Yeah, yeah. Sales is going to decide what the pricing is going to be, and um, sure, they they won't set you know the, uh, the 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 logic and the methodology and you know all of that stuff. But if you say the wrong number to your VP of sales and you know what the what the starting price is. You will get a very clear reaction on what the number should be, <laughs> right? Um, and and I think as you approach the fifty million, that that maybe should change. Yeah, maybe it should be the VP of CS that should be you know um, having that cringy emotion um, yeah. and should be setting the pace for where pricing should go. Why? Well, it's a lot more money you can get. Uh, by setting, you know, different pricing, improved pricing from your perspective, obviously, onto the customer base. Mm. And who's going to be affected the most? Well, the customers will be yeah. um, affected the most, right? And um, and what I've seen a lot is folks tend to go the easy route and basically just doing percentage-based price increases, mm. which is easy to to argue for the newbie side. Yeah, yeah. Easy, easy conversation. Well, price was this yesterday, it's this one today. Yeah. I can give you a discount. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the the increase is just being rolled into the customer base, right? Yeah. Um, and I think what should happen is actually, okay, first of all, we're not going to only go with, you know, silly reverse discounts mm. because that's really what this is. Yeah. We're rather going to go into an actual pricing and packaging, kind of what are the features that we're seeing people are using, what yeah, are the yeah. features people are using that don't churn and upsell instead and where can we build those different drop-off points between those two parts and so forth. All of that stuff, actually, that needs to be uh, way more considered yeah. than, than the other side of, which is which is competitive. Yeah, right? yeah. It's like, ah, you know, hey, we, if we go in with this number, we're not going to win any deals because the other guys are just, you know, cheaper. And yeah. Blah, right. Um, and and I think as you as you approach this fifty million mark, I think um, uh, I think pricing led by CS will be increasingly so the the better route to go than yeah. the Ubers. I think it's also going to be easier, right? For 
VP of CX or whatever to go back to the team and said, this is what we agreed, right? Mm -hmm. Because I, I was part of making that decision very clearly and had these objections and used the feedback from the team. Uh, you know, and then if you have proper sales enablement, then actually going and communicating those price changes, all of a sudden you can see how this changes the approach. And don't get me wrong, it can be a painful process to up the prices on existing customers, but it is growth still. Yes. And then maybe we end on uh, on on your favorite one. My favorite one? Uh, <laughs> so the marketing one. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. No, I've, I've, I keep seeing this with a lot of folks that I talk with, at least in marketing. All the focus is let's get some more revenue. Let's and and specifically let's get it through sales. There's almost no focus on customer experience, yeah. right? You have all these. You mentioned all the tools we have available in marketing, all the channels. The majority of those are being wielded to acquire new leads and new business, yeah. right? And what does what do we do for CX? Well, maybe we do an automated onboarding flow, and we spend you know ten minutes thinking about it and setting it up, but. Yeah, it's going to be a Google form. Yeah, yeah. But getting a customer marketing headcount that works actively with CS to build what they need towards the customers, yeah. whether it's training, strategy, yeah. you name it, just no, doesn't exist. Doing a help center overhaul, this is, marketing is going to look at you and go like, okay, so we're going to spend three months designing a help center and helping <laughs> with articles. Are you kidding me? Um, I you think know. companies do a Super Bowl first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think it's also like marketing also gets the adrenaline from seeing their deals close, right? Yeah. You don't get it. Again, I think it's just a systemic disease in, in SaaS. You don't get it from a renewal. It's not like some even a CSM is going to say, hey, you know what? That help center you helped update, help renew this customer. High five. It's, you know, it doesn't happen. So yeah. I, I think it's back to the, uh, for me, the mindset switch you and the organization need to actually create, which is not just the job of customer experience. I think it's, it is so much the job of both sales marketing and even RevOps and the CRO mm. to kind of change that and say, hey, actually, this is, you know, we can see this is becoming more and more important in the coming years. So this is where we need to start focusing a bit more. Absolutely. So wrapping up the getting to 20 million and so forth, very much newbies driven, marketing driven, getting there. That's kind of the difficult piece. As you go from 20 to 50 and beyond, really the focus needs to shift more and more towards your customer base. Yeah. It simply has to, and it will come in the form of investing in CS much more, getting better, more experienced people in there, uh, giving them better tools, enabling them a better way, potentially even saying, hey, marketing expenses should be starting to focus on that side of the bow tie. If you don't do that, it will be extremely difficult for you to pull off hyper growth. And uh, that was the episode today. That's it. That's it. Let's go get some uh, more customers and then we can worry about customer experience later. <laughs> customer experience. Who cares? <laughs> uh, Thank I you, Michael. Yeah, thanks, Tony. I hope uh, Jill enjoyed this episode and also the rest of the listeners. Bye-bye. Thank you, everyone.